You're listening to a Chirp Radio podcast. For more interviews and stories, visit chirpradio.org slash podcasts. If you, if you've got no rhythm, baby, baby. get up out the way, don't kill the way. Hello, this is a Chirp Radio podcast, and you're listening to our conversation with Rick Wilson. Rick, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, the, the weather's kind of like fall outside, but you know, um, it's better than like 90 degree weather, so I take it. That we never knew, hanging loose like a Tracy McGrady suit. Hmm. Fabulous, so good. Why you move slow as ambulance in the hood? Foot working through the crowd with an Afro pick. Motherfucker, I'm the disco Kaepernick. And every night is the night of our lives. The day that we woke means somebody died. So even when home, we pull up like vacation. Home of the Duke Footwork Station. Your new album, Call Me Disco. Fantastic new album. Um, and a little bit of a departure for you, stylistically. Um, would you mind explaining a little bit why you uh, why you decided to mix up your sound for this release? Um, well, I mean this this one particular like it's a little bit different sound, but like it's technically like you know kind of like the same sound of mine. It was more of a collab with um with with if with, with well it, it was a collab with Terrence Martin and me and Terrence yeah, yeah. We got together and tried to try to like we mashed up his G funk from uh, L A. And I tried to bring like some like, you know, um, some like healthier, bouncy, like soulful, like Chicago vibes to it. And that's kind of how it matched up. You know what I mean? It's crazy it matches up like that because I'm only rapping. I'm not playing any instruments. He's playing all the instruments. But, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I like, I don't know, our two natural rhythms just came together and it was pretty cool. Like, you know what I mean? Terrence is a really, really fun dude. And like, he's very, very straightforward dude. And I like, and coming from Chicago, a lot of people from Chicago are very, very straightforward. So it was cool. It was like, you know what I mean? There was no like, there was no like, you know, weird, you know, industry, like fakeness. Like we was just, we came in, it was very real with each other. And like from there we realized we had a lot of common and like now we're great friends and we made music together and it was super dope. And we never, and it's one thing that's special about it is that we didn't do no music. Um, Like the music we did, no, nothing was ever like emailed to each other, which is like not saying that that makes us more holier or better, but I think it was pretty cool. I literally don't even have Terrace's email. We did everything in person together. So that was uh, pretty dope. How long was the recording process for the album? It was literally probably recording process. I'd say like six sessions um, only because he's in L.A. and I was in Chicago. So I had to fly out there. So mm-hmm. or I would say maybe like four sessions, honestly, honestly, probably four sessions. Yeah, but like, I mean, four long ass sessions, but like four sessions. <laughs> Tara's like to talk and I like to talk. So it's long, it's, it's long sessions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But really a, a fantastic, fantastic record, Um, especially like Chicago Bay. I feel like that it just has a really good flow. Uh, how did you, how did you get connected with uh, BJ? He seems like he seems like he's sort of a mover and a shaker. And I know he, he makes a lot of appearances on people's albums, but. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to hear about how he ended up on that track. Um, well, the story is that BJ wrote that, like, broke that hook and made that hook to that to that beat particularly, I want to say, maybe, like, maybe five, six years ago. Like, he did that. He did that record a long time ago. 
Like oh. the, he did the hook a long time ago and there was never no verses to it. And um, they played it for me and I really liked it. So we, me and Terrace took it. Terrace added some component, some live components to it, like the drums. Like Terrace did all the drums live, like right in front of me. It was crazy. And I did the verses and then BJ was kind of already on the record, already on the record. But me and BJ were familiar with each other due to Chicago and doing for coming around the same area in Chicago and kind of like, you know, if you go to LA and you're at any LA function or anything that has to do with like LA function, music industry stuff, like people from Chicago always find each other. So I remember like, the first thing I asked him was like, what high school you went to? And I was like, oh, okay, that's crazy. It's like right down the street from where I was like lived. So that's why, that's where the, that's where that, that's where that line comes from in the song. And yeah, that's kind of how that happened. And then, you know, we would just, you know, then you do the whole, you know, thing when you reach out and be like, yo, BJ, we did the song to this. this is cool. We drop it. And he's like, oh, yeah, man, this is great. Like, I love this song. After the lockdown started, we decided that we already decided we were going to drop the project in May. So we were like, we got to shoot a music video, but we can't shoot yeah. a music video all together because this is when everyone was really like, what the hell's going on? So oh, we decided yeah, yeah. to just kind of just shoot it like, uh, shoot it like in different separate places with our cell phones and kind of make like a FaceTime and like someone special like kind of deal and do like a kind of like a FaceTime video and then incorporate some animation in it. So we were working on that to get that out and done by May, like the video and then, you know, the uprising started. So we were like, uh, oh, this probably isn't a good time to drop like, you know, this love song, like there's some serious conversations that need to be had about things that are going on in this country. We were like, let's, let's not drive away the momentum. Like 5 p.m. Take Western to the south side, my side. Make sure that you texting when you outside. Says she never been out to Chicago in the summertime. Why I never see you? Cause I'm peeping that you summer fine. From up north, but she wanna hunt some heroes. Getting food, then you throw it back like Hollister apparel. And the way you do it, I just wanna offer you a medal. I can be Chicago Bay, I ain't asking you to settle. So the next time you touch down, dog, you better hit me. I'm into a lot that I can say about uh, BLM Part 2 um, that's been happening this year. I mean, one thing I just can particularly say or think of right now is that a lot of people, th for some odd reason, thought that racism didn't exist in, uh, in America for some reason. Like May 30th, everyone realized that racism does exist. And I think the reason, which is like insane to be really, really, really think about it. But I mean, insane when you really think about it, but like not really insane when you like think about it really deeply and think that like we literally live in a country that's like founded on white supremacy and shackle slavery. So that's why I think like a lot of, I think that's why we saw a different response than we would usually see because people have access to information. People just can't whitewash and slash like, you know, cop wash the news anymore and like make it from the lens of like policing because people can get news from all different outlets now, social media. And I think from that mass unlearning and to learning new things and from that mass anger, it's starting to be a cultural shift, which is about time. So I think it's just like the, I think it's like, 
I think BLM one was the first step, and I feel like we're like now we're just like in like the the second step of like young people that are like 25 or I want to say like 30 and under, just like looking at things totally different than like every other generation before them that have been like Americans and they're questioning things and they're not really putting up with it. I'm particularly talking about like like young like young working class white people, um, particularly is what I'm talking about. So yeah. Yeah, I was at a protest every day for I think two weeks, literally at a protest or food give out or something that had to do with something. You know what I mean? So uh, have you have you been um, like concerned for your safety at all while you've been out protesting or um, participating in other community activities? I mean, I'm always concerned. I'm always concerned for my safety um, against police and like. I live around Chicago in Chicago. I'm I'm in and out around here driving through every neighborhood and I am not scared of like nope. the people that they, they tell me to be scared of. I, the people I'm literally scared of are like not scared of, but like aware of or watch myself around are police officers. You know what I mean? If I'm walking down the street and I see a gang of like people that look like me, like I'm not going to be scared of them. You know what I mean? Um, going back to the question was that like when I go out there and I'm protesting, I know the minute that I walk into a protest, I'm putting myself in danger mm-hmm. um, physically. Like, I'm not really worried about getting, like, my ass beat because, like, if I'm already out there, I, I know that that probably is already coming. Yeah, my main concern when I go to protest is just getting arrested because uh, I don't really want to get arrested because then they can do whatever they want to you and no one sees anything and there's no witnesses. And they, you know what I mean? Like, they can lie about things that happen. There's still there's still protesters uh, incarcerated right now from Ferguson, like Ferguson people, organizers and protesters in Ferguson. There's still like people incarcerated for supposedly like putting the fucking Walgreens on fire. And I think about that. It's been like what, like six years, and they're still incarcerated for that, they, or, or they mysteriously disappear and die or like that. So that's what I'm worried about. It's like just like you know getting arrested because when you get arrested, it just opens up the gates for all that. Yeah, the the police response can be pretty pretty brutal. You have such a long history with this particular issue just you know as far back as 2014 you went to geneva uh, to give a shadow report on this uh, this very issue is it is it still frustrating to you that this is still something that that we're dealing with and that things don't seem to have moved forward nah i mean sometimes you get frustrated but like i used to be i was like super frustrated like back in 2014 and 15 but i was also younger and i was also just like why is no one like talking about this or why is, why aren't, why aren't more people mad? But I mean, now, I mean, after just being like a little older and wiser and like studying like past movements, like cultural shifting takes a long time. And like, honestly, like we live in probably the most ignorant country in the whole world. A lot was told in history a long time ago and someone told, then the next generation after that kept telling a lie and then it just keeps getting passed down to when it's the only truth to a lot of people. You know, so like, of course, like I'm going to assume that most people are going to believe that, like, you know, police are here to protect everyone. They protect and serve and they do more good than bad. I'm going to believe that people really like believe in like having prisons. I'm going to believe that people believe that, like, you know, um, the U.S. imperialism is needed so that we can stay on top for some odd reason in the world. I'm going to believe that people think that. Um, capitalism can like free them, even though the same capitalism was the thing that enslaved them. But I'm going to believe all that, that people believe that because that's what people are taught and no one's ever telling them anything different. So, right. I don't get mad. I just, just, I just, I just know, I just know history repeats itself. Yeah. Yeah. And that it's, uh, and that it's a long process to, you know, uncover the truth and try to, try to teach people new ways of thinking. 
What up, Terrence? Mine it on with my tank, lemonade in my drink. I don't follow no lanes, I don't care what you think. Hot flamers with cheese, shades all in my frame. Dropping no name, swag showing my rank. What you want, what you need, what you know. Who the real, who the fake, who the come on. Find a ruckus wherever I go. Dodgeball out of life throw. Uh, slap him from my left, fight for rights from my right. Yeah, change game like Dolomite. I done got them to all the hype. What are your plans for the rest of 2020? We're in the second half of the year. Uh, what are you looking forward to? I'm surviving. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to surviving <laughs> in, the, in the most literal term. Uh, I'm about to do, I'm going to a different stage uh, <laughs> to do a project with really, really some new friends of mine. And that project is going to be really cool. Um. Yeah, when do you think it'll when do you think it'll be ready to drop? I hope it'll be in 2020, you know what I mean? Um, cuz I think it's going to be like, you know how usually everyone tries to drop their albums before December. Well, I think no one's going to get I feel like everyone's just going to when it gets cold, everyone's going right. to drop in music forever. Cuz like, what's the what's the point? You know what I mean? Everyone's inside. People are, I feel like people are going to it's going to be a lot of music consumed um in November, December, you know? Um so hopefully we can finish it soon and drop it like in november um but we'll see you know what i mean it's not up to me it's another collab ep because call me disco was like a ep i haven't technically dropped my debut album so i'm doing one more collab ep and then i'm gonna be then i'm gonna drop my debut album hopefully next spring but like you know we gotta see hopefully there's still a world because like you know we could all we could all we could all technically get like a vaccine that can turn us all into zombies <laughs> We'll see. You know what I mean? We're living uh, in Trump country and they're trying to rush this like vaccine. So hopefully, you know what I mean? Everyone doesn't turn into zombies because then there will not be an album. <laughs> or at least there won't be anybody left to enjoy there it. Will not be an album, <laughs> if it does you know? Rick, I think this is all the time we have today. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Again, this has been Mick with Rick Wilson talking for the Trip Radio podcast. Thanks again, man. Thank you so you much. Too. All right, Mick, you have a great one. All right. Alright, 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 let's do this I don't know how I'ma end this, but I know how I'ma start it <laughs> uh, Yeah, 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 uh, uh She said she never seen anyone move like this Smooth like this You can find this and other interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts Chirp Radio, hear what's next She said she never seen anyone do like this